Good afternoon. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. We are we exist to ask this question, what are the questions that you have that you don't feel comfortable asking in church? We're brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. We are also partnering, Aaron, with a series with a company called Leader because we sense that there's a lot of questions that have to do with work. And I sense too that there's a lot of people that are just saying, does the church care about my 40, 50, 60, eight hours a week? And the question that we have today with Matt Tresseter from Leader, L-E-A-D-R, um, is why do I have to wait my turn to lead? What do you think about this question? Well, I mean, it's a first of all, it's a great series. We really appreciate uh, Leader being part of this series. And, and Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Why do I have to wait my turn to lead? And I think it's something that a lot of people uh, struggle with I, and um, wrestle through and think about and um, talk about at, with their friends, with their spouses, um, you know, when they're walking along and saying, why is X, Y, and Z not happening the way I want it? I mean, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of internal conversations going on here. So I think this is a key one. And I'm really uh, excited to talk to, um, to Matt about this because uh, I know you have seen, uh, seen a lot and you see a lot through with, with a lot of the organizations you work with. So yeah, thanks, Peter. Yeah. Well, Matt, we, um, we just want you to introduce yourself, tell a little bit of your story, and that'll probably help us uh, catapult us in this question. So go right ahead. Yeah, great. Well, great to be here and thanks for having me. So I'm Matt and I have a strange accent. I think that's always the best place to start. I'm not from Texas, uh, although when I used to live in Seattle, some people asked me if I was from Texas, if that tells you anything. Um, But now I've been down in Texas now for the last 18 months. So uh, I was born and raised in New Zealand. And then about eight years ago, I joined uh, my previous company, a company called PushPay. Uh, I was up in Seattle for the last uh, six or seven years, and then uh, about two years ago, we made the move down here to Dallas. So um, now I'm, I'm leading a company called Leader. As you accurately pointed out, it's missing some some letters in the name because we're a trendy tech company and we like sounding cooler than we are. So L-E-A-D-R, um, and uh, we've been running with this for about two years now, uh, and it's been a wild ride. So happy to be here and excited to share some thoughts. Well, why don't you do this? Because I think this is going to be super helpful. It's the heart of your company. Talk about why you started Leader and just kind of even trying to respond to this question. Walk us through Mm. that process. Uh, Really, it was started for me. Selfishly, I look back on a lot of the mistakes that I've made, even some of the things that I've done well. And I just have, regrets is too harsh of a word, but I just have... um, I have recollections of if I could go back and do it again, what I would have done differently as I was stepping into leadership for the first time. So as I went from leading a team of one, just myself, and I'm a pain in the butt to lead. So that was a a challenge in itself uh, to leading a team of 10. And then ultimately I ended up having about 130 folks in my team over the course of about three years. Uh, I experienced personally a ton of pain through that journey. Uh, I wasn't equipped as well as I could have been. Um, I didn't lead in the healthiest manner that I could have. And so I think about that journey and I think if I could go back and do it again, what would I do differently? But also what would I put in place so my team had a better experience as they were also elevated into different positions of leadership? So that was the inception of the story, this 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 feeling of, man, I, I want to do it different next time. And I think there's a lot of organizations that struggle with the same things that I did and I think we can help. Wow, that's, that is great. Um, I think that's a... A great purpose to have too, um, to develop the right kind of leaders. Uh, I think that's that's amazing. Um, I mean, this is I think this is an interesting 
topic, especially for within the, the Christian world too. I, I, um, I know you work with a lot of ministries, a lot of churches, um, uh, probably schools and others, but so, mm-hmm. you know, there's kind of this, uh, I feel like there, there can be a, a, con- a confusing, um, back and forth when it comes to people who want to grow as leaders, who have ambition to become leaders. I mean, what, how do you, how do, how should Christians, how should someone who's listening to this podcast, who, who might be a, a, a young uh, Christian, maybe in their twenties or their thirties, or maybe their forties and, you know, but they want to take the next mm. step, but how do they balance that with not wanting to, I don't know, uh, get out ahead of themselves or be prideful or what, how do you, how do you balance that? Such a great question. Um, one of the things that we talk about in our values is everyone is a leader, even if they're not the leader. And so we feel generally when you say things like, or you hear things like, Hey, I want to be in leadership or I want to be a leader. Generally that means is you want people to work for you and do what you tell them. That's, that's, I think maybe one of the perceptions that we have is I want people to do what I tell them to do. So I can't wait to get into that corner office where I don't have to do any work anymore. I think that could be one definition of how people think about leadership. And for those that have been in it, we know that that's so far from the truth. If you're in a healthy environment, I guess. Right. Um, so when I think about, uh, how do we approach this question of, I want to be a leader? What do I have to do to get into that spot? The first thing we have to ask ourselves is, am I leading today right now? In the current role that I'm in, the people that I work with, whether they, whether I have direct reports or not, how am I leading myself well and how am I leading my colleagues and my peers well? I would hazard to guess that if you're not doing those two things, you're not fit for leadership of actually running a team. I probably just like shattered the optimistic view of all of the listeners today. <laughs> being like, you're not fit, you're not ready for leadership. But I think truly that's the way to think about it. So Matt, we just interviewed Holly Tate, and she said that one of your quotes is organizations move at the speed of trust. And so when I think about that, I I feel like bosses and followers or bosses and workers or leaders and managers, that there's somewhat, there's there's missing each other because I think someone would say, why do I have to wait my turn to lead? I've done everything you've asked me to do but for some reason, whether it's I'm young or I'm inexperienced. And then there's also the fair, like, hey, like you haven't done everything I've asked. So if you're sitting down with a young aspiring leader and they're like, why am I not getting promoted? What would you say to them? I think, so we talk about internally that there's there's two things to think about when it comes to stepping into more responsibility or stepping into a promotion. It's readiness and opportunity. So those are things that are inside my control and outside my, my control. So outside of my control is opportunity, i.e. is there something actually available? Is there a seat available? And I've run into this quite a bit. It's the sense of uh, everybody wants to be a manager uh, and, and there's no people to manage. <laughs> it's, it's uh, hey, I, I can't wait to be promoted. I want to lead a team. And you're looking around going, what team? There's no team to be led. There's, there's no roles available. So I think the first thing, we can save ourselves a ton of heartache um, by realizing that we can't just magically pull manager jobs out of a hat and say, oh, there's a new role available immediately. There's a process. And if the organization's not growing, it's unlikely there'll be a management seat opening. That's, I think, a, maybe a callous way, but an objective way to think about it. So that's outside your control. And then I think about readiness, which are things inside your control. And so we have kind of a rule of thumb of three areas. Number one, are you being excellent in your seat today? Truly excellent, not perfect, but excellent. Uh, number two, make it known. 
make it clear, your intention's clear that you do want to be promoted. And don't be that person that when a, a seat opens up and someone else is promoted, you say, oh, I wish that was me, having never actually voiced that to your upline. And then the third one is uh, pre preparation. And we call this staying six months ahead of growth. And so uh, let's, let's say that I knew six months from now uh, there was a job opening coming up or there was a promotion that was going to be available. It's too late in six months to step into that role and then learn for another six months because what's happening is the whole organization and the whole team is slowing down for your growth. So we call it stay six months ahead of that curve. So I'm I'm thinking about where do I need to be in six months and I'm going to make those changes today. Mm. So those are my thoughts uh, around readiness. That that's really that's great. I love I, I love that. Um, what what do you think? Um, I mean, for someone who wants to be moving up in, in an organization, um, what are you know? I think a lot of times when people are having these internal conversations in their heads, they think they're ready. They think they see what the boss <laughs> is doing, and they think. You know, I can do that. I could do that better, um, right. and right. I could really help this organization. What are what are some blind spots that people don't see, like about themselves? Um, maybe what are some things they don't see about the position mm. they want to get into? What 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 would you what have mm. you found? I, I'm sure a lot of us, if not all of us, have have thought that I can do that job. We we see uh one aspect or a few aspects of what someone does and we think to ourselves oh, i can do that way better than they can <laughs> um i think i think that's a real thought that we have um i think the first thing to realize is you're never ready or at least that's been my experience you're never fully prepared you're never fully ready and that's okay um we never arrive we're always on that journey so i think that's the first thing to keep in mind um I uh, I was talking this morning with, with one of our teammates about the microwave generation approach of I want everything now and I want it uh, now or in 30 seconds. And I think the reality is things just have, there's a natural maturation to things. Things just take time and you're not going to be the same person a year from today as you are now. And so just hang on and just give it a moment. So I, I think it's balancing both of those things. You're never ready uh, but if you just give it a moment, you might feel more ready in the next maybe six to 12 months. And then speaking of blind spots, um, I don't know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was, this is my first time being a CEO. So I've been in the seat for about four months and I was telling my staff, I did like a 90 day review at our all hands. What have I learned in my first 90 days as a CEO? And one of the things I said was I was completely unprepared for the weight of the role. I looked at the seat and I said to myself the exact same thing. I'm doing that already. I'm, I'm a co-founder here. I've been running the, the company for the last two years. I'm already a CEO. And then the title became real and I didn't comprehend the burden and the weight and the thinking that had to happen outside of the doing that I was completely unprepared for. So I think in any leap, in any jump, there's going to be blind spots. But number one, be careful what you wish for. And number two, be prepared for the burden and the weight that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this generational difference. I'm going to kind of go stereotype um, and then you can push back on it. It's not completely true. And I just say that. So it seems that we have an older generation that puts value on experience. So, you know, mm -hmm. boomers and just, you know, there's a certain I need you to be faithful, consistent. There's a certain age, certain look. And then you have younger generations like millennials and Gen Z that put a uh, put more of an emphasis and focus on expertise, productivity, and I'm wrestling with this. So just if I'm wrong, you can be like, no, that's not true. But mm. 
I feel like for the first time, probably in history, there was a younger generation that understood a facet of work more than the older generation, which caused a lot of stress. So you have a younger generation that grows up with email, social media, productivity, like just digital things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I think about this, I have a friend that, you know, they got hired at in a financial position. They were using the the actual software to do the to do the budget, and their predecessor was using um, Excel spreadsheets, which was so. There's kind of this expertise difference and experience difference. Mm. I guess how do you let's lean into the bosses first, then the followers and mm. workers second. How do you know if you're in an unhealthy way falling into those stereotypes? That's a really good question. Um, so I think one way that, to describe what you're talking about is the the gap between street smart and book smart. And I think people that grow up with social media and technology and Google we're book smart. We have all of the knowledge, but perhaps we lack the wisdom or the application of that knowledge because we have very little to no experience. So we come in, or there's a posture of we come into a, a new organization, new company, a new church, a new role, and we think to ourselves, oh, I've got this. I Googled it last night. I know exactly how to do this. And the other generation, the older generation, as you put it, is looking at them going, but you've never done this before. So how do you know how to do it? Uh, the book doesn't give you street smarts. Living on the streets give you street smarts. So I think it's the mutual appreciation both ways. I think the older generation needs to start looking at the younger generation saying, what are the qualities and the attributes that they have that I don't, which is probably highly mission orientated, high level of buy-in to organizations that have a purpose and have a mission and, and people that seek clarity, like the younger generation wants to know if I'm winning. And then I think younger generation needs to look at the older generation being like, what can I learn from you? Because I haven't been there before. So I think mutual appreciation is probably the best place to start. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I, you know, I suspect that at some point the younger generation becomes the older generation and they'll, there will be, I I just, I wonder if it's more cyclical than even like it's just a current thing, but I'm not sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, people are riding scooters around again, right? So everything comes full circle. I'm like, I thought that died when I was like six years old, but apparently they're back. It's back again. (laughs) It's back. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess kind of uh, on that, uh, maybe in the similar theme, um, you know, there's this tension where people want to move up fast and maybe faster than the bosses think they should move up. Um, but not always, sometimes you will move up fast. Um, what, what have you found? Like what happens if someone gets pushed too fast, like either pushed themselves too fast or, or pushed an organization, I'm sorry, or the organization pushed them too fast. Like, I mean, no, and in sports, sometimes we see disasters when quarterbacks get pushed to the um, mm-hmm. be the guy in the NFL too, too fast. I mean, um, I'm sure there's other, other things we could use for examples for that, but what, what have you found happens to an organization? What happens to the person? Um, and how do you navigate that? Aaron's really nice. I'm going to just ask you, have you been pushed up too fast? I mean, you just kind of laid that. So <laughs> I think, wow. Okay. Peter's just I, going for it. All right. <laughs> yeah. <geez. laughs> Is there, is there a couch I can lay back on and pretend like this is turning into a therapy session, right? Well, well, unfortunately, my better half, my wife, who's a mental health therapist, Robin Engler, counseling.com. Oh, well, so, but anyways, uh, this is just for yep, our yep. listeners. 
you're, you're chan- channeling your expertise. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I would say that's pretty much been my story of my boss, whose name was Chris at the time. He was the CEO and I was running sales at different levels. And he just kept giving me more and more responsibility. And I kept wanting to say no. Uh, but I ended up saying yes. I don't want more. I've got way too much on my plate. And so uh, I went from being the first salesperson to a VP of sales with 130 staff in about two and a half years. And if you were to ask me at any point in those two and a half years, um, are you ready for this? Like, are you, do you have the capacity for this? Are you the right person for this? There would be an arrogant streak of me saying, absolutely, there's no one better. And there'd be, if once we had a little bit more time to lay back on the couch and get honest, I'd say, I'll tell you, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to hang on for dear life. Um, so that, that was, that's truly my story. I, I feel like I've been put in many, many situations where I'm uh, completely unequipped and un- ill-prepared to do a good job. And then, so what are the, what's the fallout of that? Uh, we, we love using the word burnout. So you either you flake out and it doesn't work, the whole sink or swim mentality. Let's just see if they'll lead a team and see how it goes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, ultimately, what will happen though is you get really terrible glass door reviews. <laughs> to be real, mm. right? Your employees are going to have a terrible experience because you don't know how to communicate, you don't know how to remain consistent, you don't know how to hire, you don't know how to fire, uh, and so people will just have a terrible experience until you learn it. So that's the fallout, and it's 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 not worth ruining the organization um, over trying to fill a seat with the wrong person. Like one of the things my old boss used to say to me was, "If I have to choose between you and culture, I'll choose culture every time." Oh, oh wow! And so. Uh, that's a pretty ruthless, and he said that to me. So I think there's probably a whole nother story there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you brought this up twice, and I just think it's super helpful for our listeners. So you brought up being a VP of sales, and now you brought mm. up being a CEO. Help help our listeners understand the weight that the leaders that are leading them are facing that they might not know on the other side. Mm that those two roles have felt very different weights. So the weight that I felt leading a sales team was everyone that missed their quota or their number for the month, I felt like I had failed them, not that they had failed me. And because such a large percentage of their compensation was based on their their variable compensation in terms of hitting their targets, anytime someone missed, I realized, okay, they might not be able to make a bill, they might not be able to care for their family, um, if this happens a month or two or three months in a row, they're probably not going to last here. So that weight of feeling like I'm failing people and letting them down, that weight stuck with me through the whole journey for sure. The weight I feel now is a little different, although I still have some of that. The weight I'm feeling today is more of there's no one else to turn to. So um, when a tough decision comes across my desk, it's because no one else was able to solve that problem. And so they're, they're pointing to me or looking to me to solve the problem. And I can't anymore just go to Chris, who was my old boss, and be like, hey, Chris, can you solve all of these things for me? And I'll go back to doing all the fun work and you'll do all the difficult stuff. So now only difficult, hard, complex problems arrive on my desk. And that weight of I'm the sole decision maker here and the one that has to figure it out, uh, that's a burden. <laughs> to be real, it's a burden. And I'm learning how to carry it. Mm. Wow! Yeah, that's. I I, I was uh, I was thinking about a, a similar question too. You know, what do people what do you, uh, people not know about the the roles they're going to? Um, I mean, I guess so. Maybe on uh, the flip side of that, what uh, you know, what do some of the a young leader? Um, 
what do they think that they know about themselves that they may not know quite yet? Like what, what you were talking mm-hmm. about experience and expertise earlier. I mean, what they can get the, the book knowledge, they can get the Google knowledge, but what, what is it in experience? Um, there's things that they don't know yet. You just talked about that, but what are some of the things about themselves that maybe they mm-hmm. need a little bit of seasoning to find? I've heard it said that uh, the moment you step into leadership is the moment you become a full-time actor and the office is your stage. And the moment you walk into the office every day is you're on stage and everyone's looking to how you carry yourself, how you walk, how you talk, how you dress. Uh, I I remember someone sharing this story and saying, if you leave at five o'clock one day, they'll think one thing. And if you leave at seven o'clock the next day, they'll think another thing. So you can't win. Everyone's always trying to interpret, uh, I wonder why Matt looks angry or I wonder why Matt looks stressed, or I wonder why Matt looks upset, or I wonder why Matt, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so uh, speaking of blind spots and people stepping into these roles, um, leadership is like a spotlight. It amplifies all of your weaknesses. It amplifies all of your your bad habits and all of your tics. And so it's so much easier to solve for them when you don't have a ton of people looking to you for uh, responsibility and for growth and for answers. Uh, because at that point it's maybe a little bit too late. And so I, I think, uh, if you, if you're aware of some of your blind spots and you know, the things that you have to work on, I would work on them now. Uh, cause it's only going to get harder. Like, uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's a little bit like marriage, like getting married doesn't solve you all your problems. If you were lonely before getting married, you're still going to be lonely, but that's going to get into a whole nother therapy. Session. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so I'm just going to ask the question that probably some of our listeners are thinking, like at what point do I just leave the organization? Um, mm. And so I, I wanna kind of ask that pastorally because on one hand, I've seen a lot of people leave the organizations that they serve and they go and commit the same mistakes. But I've mm-hmm. also seen people that stayed way too long. I mean, how do you know and work through kind yeah. of like, I'm not gonna get promoted here, that's a big deal to me. Or, you know what, I I am, this is the height of my potential right now and I can be very happy here for 20 years. How would you counsel someone? Uh, I'm curious to get your perspective. Do you think people leave too early or too late, generally speaking? Um, I'm gonna let Aaron, I want Aaron to answer too, because I think that's a fair, my assumption is I think people now leave too early. That's my assumption. I agree. I could be wrong. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I I think it probably happens both ways, but if Matt's telling us it's too early, then I'm gonna go with Matt because he's, <laughs> he's the expert here. So uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it it's probably a mixture, as you say, it probably goes both ways. But I think generally speaking, my experience is people leave too early. They give up too early. And then, you know, what's that old saying? Where you go, there you are. You just mentioned it, right? Like if, if you've got baggage in your existing role and you're blaming everyone else for your problems, and then you go to your next organization and you're experiencing the same problems. I mean, someone should talk to you about common denominators because it's not, <laughs> you haven't, you haven't, you haven't entered two dysfunctional organizations. You're probably the dysfunction. Um, in saying that there are unhealthy teams and there is unhealthy cultures and there's toxic environments. And so I think being measured and being objective with your decision, not rushing into it, like don't make life decisions at a low point is one of the things my mentor told me. So when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're over anxious, when you're not sleeping, don't make a life decision. But if, if you've got these hesitations or if you've got these, what's the word? Um, 
if you have these concerns about the team and you don't think they're going to be overcome, express those to your leadership and give them the opportunity to change. And if they don't, I'd consider moving on. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, so that's, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, Peter, Peter mentioned, I think earlier that, so Browncroft uses uh, leader um, um, and, and, and Bushway also, um, but we, uh, really i mean it's really a helpful tool um and i think i'm still learning all the all the capabilities of the tool but i mean can you can you maybe this is a good point right here just to can you share a little bit about some of the um the functionality that it has and and the reason i'm bringing it up right now is you know we just talked about people leaving too early from organizations we just talked about um mm -hmm we just talked about what, what do people not see when they want to move up, uh, up in the organization, or maybe there's things that on the boss side that they don't, they're not being responsive to. How does, how does a leader kind of, um, build the bridges? How does it put the framework in place to try to make it so leaders can mm -hmm. develop in a, in a healthy way, um, in a way where people know that they're meeting objectives and they are, um, they're not, not seen. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's great. I, I, the, the way we think about leader is it's it's kind of the accountability partner that you need to have, not mm. the one that we wished we had because most of us don't want to be held accountable. It's the, it's the accountability partner that's reminding us to do the things that we already should be doing. And so it's telling me, hey, you should probably meet with your people on a regular basis. Uh, these are basics. Like nothing I'm going to say is earth shattering. No one's going to fall out of their chair going, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before, but we don't <laughs> do it. So it's, hey, you should meet with your people regularly. Hey, you should probably prepare for your meetings. Hey, you should probably talk to this person different than you talked to the last person. And based on their personality type, you should treat them and lead them as such. You should probably talk about goals. You should probably ask for feedback. You should probably have a review once in a while. And so it's nothing groundbreaking. Like people will log into the system and go, oh my goodness, I didn't know that I was supposed to care for my staff. That's crazy to me. What are you saying? No, it's all the things we know we should do, but we get so flippin' busy and so tied up in projects and deadlines and all these other things we get stuck in survival mode and our people are the ones that get hurt. And mm. so no matter the, the chaotic season that you're in, don't forget some of the fundamentals. And so leader just helps me do them. And so when we started the call and you said, why did you build it? It's because I need that. I need someone to hold me accountable mm. each week to do the basics. I want to kind of come back. I, I, I love how you're kind of just engaging this practically because I think that whether you're an employee worker or a boss leader, like these are just tough conversations to have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure that some of our listeners, they're CEOs, COOs, CFOs, and you know, at some point there's kind of the conversation, um, why are so many people leaving? And it mm -hmm. might be entry level, it might be, but you know, again, you're more the expert than I am. It, it seems like it costs way more to hire people than to keep people. Mm. What questions would you challenge leaders in the C-suite to ask? Because if they're not asking and they're just kind of saying, well, it's because we don't pay enough and well, mm. it's because, but there could be some more fundamental, how do they do that soul searching? Mm. Yeah, I've been kept up at night by that question too. I think anyone in an executive role, um, it's too easy to have your opinions formed by the narrative that your line managers create. And so this is their perception of the problem. This is their perception of why they left. And uh, there might be a better way to do this, but the way that I do it is I call them skip level meetings. There's, there's, no, there's no better way to find out the truth of the matter 
than to skip the line managers or skip a few levels of leadership to actually sit down with the people that are feeling the frustrations or the, the specific team or the role that is churning on a regular basis and ask, ask them the difficult questions uh, wrapped in confidentiality and wrapped in you know no, no consequences for being honest with me. Um, you might find that the reason people are leaving is because of their direct leader. And of course, you're never going to hear it from their leader. No one goes to their boss and said, hey, you should probably fire me because everyone doesn't like working for me. That's just not going to happen. So I think skip levels is important. And then I think uh, um, never never being too far away from the front lines. Uh, uh, that might feel different to different people, but never trying to elevate and have that ivory tower corner office mentality. Mm. That's great. Man, that's, that's really good. Let me... Um let's close with just these two questions you've um you're just really efficient like i just feel like i, I don't want to ask you more but like i just i feel like there's so much in in mm. what you've said that it's kind of causing our listeners to kind of go there so there's there's someone out there that's really discouraged they feel like they've done everything they can and maybe everybody at their peer level or lower level just sees the potential and is for them, but the C-suite level, the decision mm. makers don't see that permission or promotion. And, you know, just, they've even, you know, done everything, you know, they, they use leader, they check off all the boxes and it just seems like they're stuck. How would you encourage that person? Yeah, I've been there. It's really difficult for anyone that's feeling discouraged and in that role today. If you feel like life should be moving faster than it is, um, I get that feeling. It's like you feel like you're running in slow motion and everything else is moving in you know, two or three X speed around you. And it's very disheartening. Um, I would say to them, um, you know, Winston Churchill, I love the line, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Mm. And so there's this one side of just grit, perseverance and bearing through and just holding on and being patient and having grace for your upline that they're going to eventually see it. But ultimately, if I was to sit down with that person and I was to find out, no, okay, they haven't been feeling this for five minutes. This has been a, a journey for the last 6, 12, 18, 24 months. I would probably start to come to the realization with them that it's time for them to move on. You know, if, if you're not growing, if you're not being challenged, if you're not learning, if you're not getting feedback, if you're not being pushed, if you don't have clarity about what success looks like, uh, and that's a persistent theme, it's not an isolated theme, but it continues, I'd probably encourage them to leave. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news and say, hey, if you're not enjoying your job, everyone should quit. And that's not what I'm saying. But I, I think um, as, as much as it's easy to, to, to leave early, it can be really easy to stay too long. And the thing we should think about is who are we becoming if we're staying in an unhealthy, unhealthy environment? I took six months off after my last job because I wasn't happy with who I was becoming. So I needed six months to get healthy and to get back to a state that I was uh, proud of or comfortable with. And people might be picking up more bad habits than you recognize if you're in an unhealthy environment. Wow, um, that's that's heavy. And it, it's a good, like, because I, I think what you're doing, and this is kind of leading to our last question, I think what you're doing is you're, you're really, and I heard you say this a couple times, you're really challenging people to be objective. There's a lot of feelings, there's a lot of, you know, expectations. I, I guess if I was to sum up what you're saying is that, and that's not the last question I added one in there, is that yeah. you're really saying, hey, be objective about this situation as much as possible. I, I think so, because the reality is you're going to see the same problems in the next organization as well. Uh, everyone's struggling with the same issues. 
to varying degrees, obviously. So I think be objective. However, there's a downside to being objective. One of my staff came to me the other day and we were chit-chatting and then they stopped talking and they cut themselves off. And I said, oh, keep going. And they said, oh, no, uh, my boss told me don't process things with Matt because he just likes to make decisions. <laughs> so the staff <laughs> member's telling me that their boss told them don't go into Matt's office and process things with him because he always just wants to be like, right, what are we doing? When's it going to be fixed? How come it's taking so long? So... Uh, be objective, but maybe uh, don't be like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what a, guys, jump in there real quick. Just before you do the last yeah. question, uh, do what, it. So you you mentioned. Um, I mean, I th- there is this there is this tension of uh, people want to find um, the right fit for them. If they're if they're not the right fit in the culture that they're in, do they need to look elsewhere? Um, but and you you offered encouragement. I think Peter's question was great about what encouragement would you give. But what about for the person who's in in that spot who is? It's not just a um, uncertainty or whatever about whether, to, but it's a fear like that they won't be able to find another spot or like you know, or mm. maybe or maybe it's that there that there was something that drew them to this organization at the beginning that they really love and they might not find another organization like I mean what what has been your experience on that I guess for you you've 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 been in organizations and you've even started an organization so I know you have a there's probably a, a lot of things you could say to that but what would you say to that person I could I could talk about that forever and a day I mean the the two biggest questions that kept me up at night on my time away, my sabbatical, if you will, was um, how am I ever going to find something like this ever again? Mm. I feel like I won the lotto. I feel like I was in the most unique unicorn experience. That's just not going to happen again. So I need to move on and go back to working my 40 hours in a bank that I was doing before that because that's not going to happen again. That was the first question. And then the second one was, uh, am I am I equipped for it or was that just a lucky chance? Did I just... did I was I just in the right place at the right time with the right connections and everything just fell together. And my pastor told me something that stuck with me and I needed to hear it. He said, uh, Matt, you know less than one half of 1% of what God's doing on the planet. And so uh, you, you, you need to understand that there is another push pay out there for you. Hmm. And that, that was the company I was working at. And the second thing he told me is God's got a big house and he's got many rooms and there's a room for you. And I needed that freedom because I thought that my best years were behind me, um, which obviously was a lie, but that's how I felt. I felt like, um, how am I going to experience anything close to this ever again? And three years now into this journey or two and a half years or so into this journey, I can say I'm more bought in, more fulfilled, uh, more in my calling than I ever was. Hmm. And so to anyone that's out there feeling that way where you're you're wondering, you know, is this a one-off? I, I think just refute that. God's so much bigger than, our, than that. Wow. I'm so glad Aaron asked that question. Oh, that gosh. was, that was really, really good. And, um, you know, the reason I love this series is these questions on the surface seem like, you know, you could go to a bar or coffee shop and in five minutes, but I think what we're finding is even if the answer is five minutes, it's going to be days, weeks, and months of processing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of why the power of this series. And that's why we love partnering with leaders. So the last question is this, you know, what does Jesus have to say about waiting my turn uh, to lead or not getting promoted. Um, mm. So the good news is, is Aaron and I go first, and then after we go, you can clean up anything that we mess up. <laughs> so that's the goal. Perfect. No Perfect. pressure. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of, one of the most pivotal books I've ever read in my life is called Anonymous. It's by Alicia Britt-Chloe. 
and it's about Jesus's 30 years of being anonymous. So mm. Jesus didn't have this ministry life until he was like 30 or some odd years old. And, you know, I think about that, um, you know, and I think about growing up and I heard this phrase, the time you take to sharpen your tools is never wasted. Um, mm. There's there's someone, um, if you were to ask someone that cuts down trees with an ax and said, hey, if you have seven hours to cut down this tree, what would you do? And some of them would say, I'll spend six hours sharpening my ax to do one hour to cut it. And mm. I, I just kind of think, you know, maybe you are at the place like what Matt said, where you need to leave. I think God will open doors and push you out. And there's ways that God does that. But I just want to assume for a second that you shouldn't leave. And I think the mm. question is, what is God preparing in me right now that maybe I can't see? And that's going to take a ton Very of authenticity good. and strength. So that's that's where I'm landing with this. Yeah, I think, you know, my thought was similar. That was great, Peter, because um, I, I think that when I was reflecting on this, and Matt, you just kind of, you hit on this too in your answer to my last question, which which I really loved. I mean, God doesn't, he doesn't forget about us. He mm. sees where we're at right now. His plan is bigger than what job you're in right now and what organization you're in right now. Um, and And... You know, I think that for someone who is in an organization who wants to move up, I mean, there is there's a lot that we just talked about as far as counting the cost, um, trying to take perception of, of blind spots. I, I really think it comes something that has resonated with me for for decades. I think when I was an intern a long time ago, some I don't remember who it was who said this, but like. You just need to really embrace a humble confidence. Be confident in who you are, but be humble about it. And and God will take care of you. He will reward that. He's not gonna He's not gonna forget about you. He's not gonna be blind to you, even when it's really hard. Um, and I think that for me, that's you know, I, I think I think Jesus cares more about where. He wants us to get where he wants us to be more than we want to, but he also knows the right, right. path to get there. So anyways, that's that's my thought. Love that. Now clean it up for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's no cleanup. I, I love this question. And I think the topic of leadership and promotions and growth and ambition is often one we shy away from as Christians, but I think it's one we need to lean into uh, because I think people need to know what we have to give. And if you're not in a position of influence, how can you share it? Mm. And um so if I was to wrap, if I, my favorite verse around leadership is to whom much is given, much is expected. And I feel like the unfortunate theme through all of my answers today has been like, leadership's really hard. You don't, I don't know if you want to be in it. And this verse maybe speaks to that as well. But truly, being in leadership is such a gift. It's such a privilege. It's such an honor. But there's a, there's, the expectations go up tenfold. And so I think Jesus talks about this all the time. I think he talks about it through excellence. I think he talks about it, like you said, through patience and time in the desert. I mean, what is the son of man doing in the desert? He's got more important things to do. Um, so I, I think there's, there's learnings in every season. And if you, if you eject out of that season too early, you're, you're ejecting out of some lessons that you'll probably end up having to learn the hard way in the future. Wow, Matt, uh, like I said, uh, efficient but heavy. Like this is <laughs> this is an episode that I think that people are gonna have to listen to. You know, I'm just gonna encourage you this. Um, if you have a great relationship with your boss, 
I think this is an episode you should listen to. If you don't have a great relationship, don't send it. This is also an episode that I think a mentor and mentee should talk about. Mm. Um, just to kind of, I, I think it's a good way to just kind of bring up some of those topics. Um, and again, we're going to be tagging Matt on this episode. We're ending at a great place. Um, so remember, it's Leader, L-E-A-D-R, um, that's doing this series. Uh, make sure you check out their website. We're going to be tagging Matt so you'll be able to follow him on social media. Uh, don't forget, be on the whygodwhypodcast.com. Subscribe. And uh, Matt, thank you so much. This was really, really good. Thank you. I had fun. Ple- pleasure to be here. Awesome. Have a wonderful day, folks. <laughs>